hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. I think we have a terrific show for you. We're going to keep this first segment short because I have a special guest coming on in just about four minutes. It's Michelle Cooper. And if you've been listening You know Michelle joined our group just a little while ago, and Michelle brings with her a ton of experience and a wealth of knowledge. She has an MBA. She's a lawyer who's dealt with estate planning and tax issues for many, many years. So we'll have her on in just about four minutes. But first, let's take a look at the markets. You know, I'm starting to feel like I'm at an amusement park, and I'm stuck on that old creaky wooden roller coaster. We've gotten used to that nice, smooth ride we had last year, a year in which making money in the markets was relatively easy. All you really had to do was be invested. But this year, it's quite different. And I would expect it to remain that way. We had fears of inflation, potential trade wars with practically everyone, technology scandals, and now issues with Syria. The way I see it, is there's more downside risk ahead as the geopolitical calendar is packed in May. Protection, protectionism remains in play, but markets could also fall on the Iran-U.S. tensions, military intervention in Syria, and a Russia-West confrontation. I would say investors should expect volatility to go up as we approach a turbulent summer. Let me give you a quote. I'm not saying that there won't be a little pain, but the market has gone up 40%, 42%, so we might lose a little bit. But we're going to have a much stronger country when we're finished. So we may take a hit, and you know what? Ultimately, we're going to be much stronger for it. That was President Trump a little less than a week ago. Since Trump became president, The smart money has believed that he was obsessed with the stock market. Therefore, the view went none of his policies would threaten the bull market. Not only have President Trump's tariff pronouncements produced stock market drawdowns, but his popularity appears to be unaffected. Astonishingly, Trump's approval rating collapsed as the stock market went up in 2017 and recovered as the stock market went in reverse this year. So it's therefore empirically incorrect that Trump is constrained by the stock market. His actions over the past month, as well as approval ratings, suggest that he's quite comfortable with volatility. The bottom line is, I would expect more volatility, not less. This week is when we kick off earnings announcements with the banks. The banks lead the way on Friday, starting on Friday. And we'll see reports from Citibank, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and U.S. Bancorp, one of my favorite banks, is scheduled for the 18th. I think this year is going to be driven by earnings, not multiple expansion. What people are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings. That was last year. On the earnings front, 
According to FactSet, first quarter earnings are expected to increase by over 17%, which if that happens, would be the best quarter since the first quarter of 2011. Analysts have been falling all over themselves, raising their numbers. And it really makes sense because of the change in the tax laws. And to give you some perspective, at the beginning of the year, estimates were for an increase of 11.4%. And now, as I said, it's over 17%. But here's my concern. Since expectations are so high now, if a company misses the raised estimates, they could get hit pretty hard, especially if they're trading at high multiples. I think this is going to be very important. I think it's important because you need to be selective here. From a technical perspective, well, things look okay, but there's one thing missing, one missing element. And that's been the inability of the market to break the downside momentum, which has caused all the rallies to abort. As I said, we need to see at least one, if not two sessions, where the upside volume overwhelms the, overwhelms the downside momentum by a ratio of nine to one. So stay value oriented, be selective. Let's leave it there for now. I got one housekeeping item to mention. Next week on the 17th, it's Tuesday. That's when we're having one of our XML social events, and it's in Rockville, Maryland. It's a night out with Rudy Maxa. And Rudy has this popular travel show on PBS, and he's going to be sharing some travel tips and tricks. And I tell you what, it should be a fun night out. We still have a couple of open spots. So if you'd like to come, You can go to XMLFG.com, give it to you once again, it's XMLFG.com, and you can put your name on the list, or you can reach out to me directly at podcast, which is plural, podcast at XMLFG.com. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll have Michelle Cooper joining us, and you're not going to want to miss this. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing, and we are back in a moment. You've worked hard, you've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. And I'm not the only partner sitting here because across from me, I have a special guest, Michelle Cooper. If you've listened to the podcast in the last couple of months, you've heard me mention her before. Michelle is an estate planning attorney. And add in if I miss anything here. (laughs) Not yet, Eric. (laughs) You're an estate planning attorney. You have your MBA. You were at Merrill Lynch for more than two decades. And now that you're here at XML, you're building out what we call XMLW, which is women's wealth and wellness. Got that right this time, didn't I? Yes. Now, before we get to your background, 
I have a question for you. It's an important question. Yes. How was your vacation? <laughs> vacation was wonderful. Uh, we recently got back from a combined trip to Paris and Madrid. I took my uh, 15-year-old twins, both uh, of them, to visit our oldest daughter. We have five kids. Uh, Jillian, she's in Spain teaching English. Oh, terrific. Yep. And also um, preparing to enter medical school. She's applying to medical schools. So she's taking a little downtime and okay. working in hospitals to translate. Um, took them both with me and we met my husband in Madrid and we had a great time. We went to museums, went to the Eiffel Tower, had some great meals, drank some great wine. Um, not the 15 year olds, but my husband and I. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we made it back safely. Oh, so terrific. That was it, the best part is always making it back. Without your luggage, though. Is this, that what I understand? Yes, unfortunately, my luggage was lost. I won't name the airline, but I've flown them several times and I've always had um, great Oh, success. go ahead. They may respond after hearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Twist my arm. Air France. <laughs> okay. So Air France has lost your luggage. They have lost my luggage and it's been a couple weeks. Okay. So, so. you're home safely. So welcome back. Safe. Thank you. You have a lot of work in front of you because you're building out XMLW. But why don't you tell us a little bit of your about your background, just so folks Sure, know. just so you kind of know um, who you're with and, and uh, what I bring to the table here to your wonderful podcast. Again, thank you for having me, Eric. Sure. XMLW stands for Women, Wealth, and Wellness. And my hope, our hope here at the firm is to educate and empower women so that anywhere during their life journey, they will feel financially independent, whether they are a single woman, divorced, widowed, happily married, whatever the case may be, I want women to feel that they can man the ship. And why do I want to do this? It's really a combination of several things. One of them is my education. Another one is my work background. But really the most important reason why I have started this division and have a passion for helping women is because of what happened to me when I was 36 years old. Right. So you, you've always had a love for this stuff for estate planning, financial planning, investments, and all that good stuff. But the real focus on the women's side of it came from a very personal experience. And I hope you can share that with us. That's exactly right, Eric. Uh, my, my personal story is um, something that I'm writing a book about. So that's going to be forthcoming in the fall. But to give you a little taste, when I was 36 years old, um, I had my twins, Alec and Chloe. They were uh, two at the time. And my whole world turned upside down when my first husband uh, decided to um, end his life. And during that time, I was completely devastated, um, both from an emotional standpoint and also from um, a financial standpoint, meaning I wasn't sure if I would have enough to sustain our current lifestyle and be able to take care of my kids in the future. And what that did for me, it was a huge wake up call in my life. Yes, I was an estate planning attorney and we had our wills done, which was a huge benefit. but. I wasn't the one tracking the expenses in the household. I didn't do the investments. I was busy. I was working full time and, um, you know, a new mother to twins. And I can tell you that is a handful in itself. 
I can, I can imagine. And, and you were prepared. I hate to say this and correct me if I'm wrong, but you are probably more prepared for this life changing event than most women would be. And still it was a big change. And still it was tough. Um, I find it ironic a lot of times when I'm thinking about it, that I was in this profession and I experienced this in my life. Uh, I, I, you know, if you had asked me what the script was going to be for my life, I never would have uh, added this into the play. Um, But yet, because I had some savviness and I was able to figure out the popcorn trail of where I needed to go, I was able to rebuild my life, Eric, and I can say I am happier now than I was because of the confidence I have in my financial future and my financial know-how. And that confidence, that knowledge is what I want to share with other women so that they can live their best life. Right. So it's obviously very important to you, this, the women's wealth and wellness. What are the major goals for when someone comes to you, what are, what are they looking at? Estate planning, financial planning, everything. What's what's really the, the key thing we're going to be looking well, at here? The major goal, first of all, first and foremost, is I don't want it to be looked at. When I say it, I don't want finances and estate planning to be looked at as something that you do at the end of your to-do list. I want it to be at the beginning of someone's to-do list and for them to feel excited about it because this doesn't have to be boring. It can be fun. It can be sexy. It can be exciting. Estate planning is fun and sexy. I've never heard that <laughs> said before. We, we make it fun and sexy. Okay. Because we personalize it and we make it creative. A lot of times people will go see their attorney and they think, oh, I'm going to talk about gloom and doom and dying. Right. Well, we're talking about our life and how we want to leave a legacy, what it means to uh, raise our family and then continue the traditions that we've created with our children and grandchildren and generations to come. And so when we talk about how we're going to draft trust provisions or will provisions, it's more about what you see for your family. What are your goals and objectives? So when clients come to me, I want to break through that uh, fear or negativity. We're going to talk about where you are today from a financial standpoint. What do we look at? Um, The assets that you have, how they're titled. We look at beneficiary designations. We determine, do you have a will? If you have a will, how old is it? We read it. We find out if the provisions actually fit where you are in your stage of life. And if they don't, we're going to update that as part of um, a team with your attorney and your accountant um, so that we're all working together. This is really scary stuff. Yes, it the is. The financial it can be. planning, you know, I, I think I'm going to have enough to get there. Estate planning, which you call sexy, and I'm not <laughs> quite sold on that yet. That's a mortality check. I mean, I'm talking about my own demise here. I don't know if I want to do that. but. Obviously, it's important. So you you have to start with the financial planning first, right? To even know if you need, or or to what extent. I, I you would need say the that planning. the financial plan is a good beginning point. 
A financial plan, you know, some people know what that is. Some people don't know what that is. Let's talk about it. Okay. A financial plan is really a plan for your financial future. And it takes into account um, your goals, your objectives, your current finances, and what you need to do in order to reach your targets. So when people come in, if they have accounts in different places, but they have no rhyme or reason for the investing that they're doing, we're going to start out with talking to them. You know, what do they want to do right now um, in terms of taking care of their family or their lifestyle? What do they want their life to look like in 10 years? And we're going to talk about uh, what the investments look like right now, what they need to do to get to their targets. And then we're going to update that. And part of that financial plan includes an estate plan, which is if something were to happen to you, whether you become incapacitated or pass away, how are those assets going to benefit your family? Are they going to be taken care of? Right. So, so I can look at it like this. You, you basically find out where someone is and where they want to be and how to get them. That's exactly right. To that point. Um, Just like you're planning a trip. You know, we spend a lot of time uh, looking at airplane tickets, looking at restaurants, figuring out what we want to do, you know, for our itinerary on a trip. But do we do that same thing for our financial future? Well, I've seen the statistics and you've, I know you've seen them too, where Americans spend more time planning their trip to Disney than they do on their retirement. I mean, they're going to spend what a a few days at Disney, maybe a week at most, but they're going to spend hopefully 30 years plus in retirement, but they're spending more time planning Disney than their retirement. Heck, they even spend more time, and I think this is true, they spend more time researching the big screen TV (laughs) as opposed to their financial planning. Scary statistics, but, but true. And, you know, what's the reason for that? My feeling is it's because people are afraid of looking at these topics or, you know, thinking about their own mortality. But if you approach it in a way, it's not about you. It's about, are you taking care of the people in your life? If, you know, you're a mom out there and you're putting a carpool schedule together and you're making sure that you've got all the groceries you need for the meals that you've planned throughout the week. If you haven't looked at, if something happens to you, are my kids taken care of, then you're missing out on a huge, you know, open gaping hole um, in your planning. Right, right. It's, it's really turning the invisible into the visible. Isn't that right? That's exactly right. We, the more you know about uh, planning and uh, what goes into a, a proper estate plan, the more comfortable you become right. talking about these things. You're and, more prepared. You're more because prepared, you know your options. yeah, and confident and peace of mind. Yeah, no, I agree with you a hundred percent. Financial planning is the first place I think everyone should start, even before making their first investment. You really need that financial. You need your roadmap. Place. You need your itinerary. That's right, and I've and I've said it on the show many many times. So I'm glad you're here to say it today. Now let me throw a couple of questions at you. You don't sure. know these are coming, but here they come. Um, the tax package we just had go through back in January or actually I think it was at the end of December. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. How did that tax package change estate planning as far as 
you know, the, the size of the states. Or, and, yeah. Yeah. It's a great question, Eric. So, you know, the tax package had a lot of impacts um, in, in many aspects of our lives, but when it comes to estate planning, um, it, it had a huge impact. Prior to the tax bill, uh, we were able to give away $5.49 million per person when we pass away during life or at death. So, you know, a couple that's over $11 million. Well, President Trump and Congress put in a much higher amount, which is $11.2 million per person. That's $22.4 million that we can give away. Now, have the, this has happened in the past. Have the states aligned themselves with the federal? Because we're talking about the federal giveaway here, right? We're talking about the federal giveaway. So there's also state a right. state tax and inheritance tax laws. Right. Each state is different. Some states have aligned themselves to match the federal levels. Right. Other states have their own, um, you know, different schematic. Like and Maryland. So, like Maryland is the same. So it's okay. going to be in 2019, keeping up with the same as the Fed. Okay. Um because that hasn't always been the case. That hasn't. A lot of people moved out of Maryland into Virginia uh, because they have no estate taxes <laughs> or they moved to Florida where they don't have estate taxes. Right. So one of the things uh, that you have to do as part of an estate plan is find an attorney that specializes in the state where you live, or at least is admitted to the bar in the state where you live. Right. Um, so that you not only look at the federal regulations, but how, you know, how your net worth is going to be impacted by state law. So that's something that, you know, your attorney is going to be looking at. But in summary, you asked me, how does this new tax package impact what we have to do uh, in our state plans? And the answer is, no matter what the tax bill is, you still need to have an estate plan. You can't ignore it just because you can leave a lot of money and you have to update it because those provisions in your will and your trust are... uh, you know, how you want to leave money to your kid, your children. Mm-hmm. And if you have $5 or $500 million, you want to think through how you want to leave those assets to your kids, to your spouse, um, to philanthropy, to charities that you want to support. Right. So as an attorney, I know you don't like to hear this, but once we get estate planning documents, and, and I know you don't actively prepare these, but once we get our our documents back from the lawyer. Well, whoop, up on the shelf they go, right? And they get a little dusty. How often should someone have their attorney look at their estate plan again? Yeah, that's a great question. I know question. it changes yeah. for everybody, but well, if I haven't had that, one and done in five years sure. or 10 years, when would you say I need to kind of go back and look at this? At a minimum, you want to be dusting those documents off every two to three years bring them into your review with your financial advisor and just do, you know, your health check, your financial health check right. uh, to make sure that the provisions are still applicable to where you are in your stage of life. But more importantly, if you go through a life transition, let's say uh, someone in your family passes away or you get divorced or you had a, a birth in your family, a new child yourself or a grandchild, or there was a death in the family you want to be looking at those provisions to see if they need to be updated. An example might be you've named a guardian for your minor children and that guardian moved to a different state. And you know that if something happened to you, they wouldn't be the best choice. Well, you got to update your documents. Right, right. Let's talk about beneficiary designations. 
again, I'm just kind of throwing questions out here for you. Beneficiary designations. There's been this big debate in the past where I have an IRA. Should I name my trust as the beneficiary or should I go the I love you route by naming my spouse and, you know, as the contingent beneficiaries where a lot of people don't even name, I think is a big mistake. They don't name their contingent beneficiaries and you should. So I'm preaching there. <laughs> name contingent beneficiaries, but, I, you know, I just throw my spouse or whoever under that line. What's the proper way to do it? That's- do I have the trust as my... It's a great question. And I would say there's not one right answer. And I'm going to give you a few different things to think about. But before we even think about the specific beneficiary designation, I want people listening to this podcast to understand that your will, and if you have a trust, your revocable trust, those documents do not control the destiny of how your retirement assets are going to be distributed. So, Sometimes folks will leave their attorney's office and have their signed uh, will in hand and they think I'm done. But the reality is those retirement assets in a 401k, 403b, IRA, Roth IRA are governed by what the beneficiary designation says on the form. And that form is typically something you fill out either in your job or with your financial advisor. Right. And you asked me, Michelle, what are, what is the best uh, beneficiary to name? Is it a trust? Is it an individual? And the answer, Eric, is really we have to look at all the other investments that you have, how they're titled, and also what your overall plan is for leaving assets to your family. So a good starting point is the provisions in your will. And one of the things that I did at Merrill Lynch is I would review clients' wills and trusts and talk to them about how they're leaving assets to their kids. And then we look at the beneficiary designation. And a lot of times the default is spouse. And if they're lucky, they've named a contingent, which is typically their kids, but they don't think through that those beneficiaries are going to get the money outright, meaning without any restrictions. But yet in their will, they are leaving the money to the kids at different ages. So why wouldn't you want to have those same provisions apply to your retirement assets? So depending on the level of investments in your retirement accounts and the complexity of your will provisions, we might need a trust as a beneficiary, or we might be able to use that designation and write a paragraph that closely mirrors what your will or your trust says. Right. So it's case by case. Right. So... If I have an IRA and I name my my kid as the beneficiary and something happens mm-hmm. to me, they get all the money right away, as opposed to the trust where I could say, okay, they get a certain amount here, a certain amount there, a certain. So by using the trust as the, in that scenario, using the trust as the beneficiary would eliminate what I call the Justin Bieber syndrome, right? They get a whole bunch of money when they're 18. So of course they do what? 18 year olds do. And I can't <laughs> blame Justin Bieber. They gave him a gazillion dollars. And yeah. when I was 18, I'd probably have a Lamborghini driving around South Beach too. We want to avoid the Justin Bieber effect by doing proper planning. Now, I want to make sure that we don't uh, have the idea that naming a trust is a, a solution. It depends on how the trust is the trust is drafted. And we want to make sure that we're able to look through the provisions of the trust to get to the actual 
designated beneficiaries so they're able to stretch out the payment. So we don't want to have the Justin Bieber effect where we name a trust, the trust isn't properly drafted, and then the kids are forced to take a lump sum distribution. So it really takes some careful reviewing and analysis to make sure that the trust you have will be an appropriate beneficiary, or maybe we mirror the provisions in the trust so that we can do the same thing as what the trust says, but allow for the stretch. Yep. Well, that's why we have smart people like you here at the group, or we're, <laughs> we're bringing many more on too. But now that's about all the time we have for today, but we have about actually one minute. Tell me about the book. I would love to tell you about the book. <laughs> so my book is one of the main reasons I decided to leave Merrill Lynch and uh, form XMLW. Uh-huh. The book is my story and what I have been through as a mom, as a woman, as a wife, and how I've been able to survive um, the, the tragedy that I went through and then thrive in my life. And I would like other women to know that there is hope out there. You can be happy again, um, not just women, but also men, people that read the book, that there are things that you can do to get through the, the dark points in your life, to, to have happiness and to have the financial security um, behind that makes you a more empowered person. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your experience with us. We're so glad you're, you're here. Um, look forward to having you on many, many more times in the future, but we are out of time. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.